Appreciate everyone's come out on this chilly fall evening. I think it's here, folks, whether we're ready for it or not. Just think, this time next week, it's going to be totally dark. Probably is now. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to tell Donna, I'm going to tell on Sister Donna, this, this woman is very good. I don't know if you've noticed, but she's very good at stretching people. So I'm just saying, just, just beware. You might be called before long to get out of your comfort zone. <laughs> so just wanted to give you a little pre-warning. But uh, <clears throat> we've been talking about in our prayer meeting on Sunday nights. And it's, if you haven't been to our little Sunday evening prayer meetings, it's really been good. And uh, God's laid it on Brother George's heart to just start this up on Sunday evenings and just a small group of people who's just wanting God to move. And, uh, and along those lines, but I want to talk about one of the parables here in a minute, but I'll get there. But if you want to ch- open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, 24, Matthew 13, 24. And that's the parable of the weeds amongst the wheat. But we've, last Sunday evening, we talked about, you know, burdens that we've been praying about for years. And uh, I think Sister Evelyn made the comment that sometimes it's hard to keep praying over those same old prayers, prayers that we've been praying for a long time, you know, maybe unsaved loved ones. But uh, I'm sure we've all got situations that we've been praying about and believing will change. And, and if you do it, if you're a doer, sometimes you really feel the pressure to fix it. And sometimes we just feel like you've got to force this door to open. We take matters into our own hands. We strive, we strain, and too often we just end up frustrated. We have good intentions. But there are times when the best thing we can do is just leave it alone, be still, and know that he is God. Some things we can't fix no matter how hard we try. Sometimes when we try and force, convince our loved ones or others in our lives to change, sometimes we only make matters worse. So let's look at the parable of the weeds amongst the wheat. If you got your Bibles open to Matthew 13, starting with verse 24. I really like the parables. I really do. They're, they're stories that Jesus told about, you know, really good spiritual lessons to help us all. But this one here just jumped out to me tonight, and I've been looking at it for a while, and, and Don's had this list out for quite some time, who the speaker was, so... And I'll be, I'll be honest, I've changed just a couple times because we've had too much, a little bit too much time to prepare. But the uh, Lord's just laid upon his, my heart to just take a little different direction tonight, this week. So if you got your Bible, starting with verse 24, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed seeds sowed weeds amongst the wheat, and then went away. But when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, 
Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where did, did these weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. In the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Father, we just ask, Lord, for your help. For a few moments here, Lord, we just, just ask, Lord, that you'll just take these words, Lord, and just use them for your glory, Father, and help me to say, Lord, the things I should and not to say the things I shouldn't, Father. And for what you do, we'll praise you, Father. Amen. When you look at this, when you look at this parable, when you look at this story, the farmer, the farmer did the right thing. You know, but still the wrong thing happened, didn't it? It wasn't the farmer's fault. He had to get some sleep, and it wasn't like he was lazy. Sometimes you may have sown good seed. You've been faithful. You've honored. You've served. You go the extra mile. But now you have some weeds popping up in your field. Things you didn't sow. Sometimes it's hard to understand it. Maybe you've raised your child the right way. Now he or she's gotten off course. Most times, what do we do? We blame ourselves, don't we? Say, Lord, what did I do wrong? Sometimes we didn't do anything wrong. The enemy just came in and sowed those destructive weeds. I know of a family that we used to worship with. I've shared this story with a couple brothers in here, and they told me they'd be praying about this situation. This family did everything the right way. They was holy people. Never missed church service. They had three, three children. Homeschooled every one of them. Tried their best to steer them kids in the right direction. The youngest one, he was very connected to the church. Uh, he was very active in the church. He was just such a bright, bright kid. He was. He decided when he graduated from being homeschooled, he wanted to go to a Christian college down south of here. And, uh, of course, it was hard. You know, I mean, when you're homeschooled, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of more close to your family. They haven't really had the social skills that public schools kids do sometimes. And uh, dropped him off, and he called the following week and said he'd met a friend. Well, they was really happy about that, you know. I mean, that kind of made things go a lot easier, know, knowing that he connected with someone. And But it wasn't long before that friend... <laughs> And you probably know where I'm going with this. Became more than friends. Became boyfriends. Called home and broke the news to his parents. Just broke their heart. Broke their heart. And they questioned God, Lord. We did everything we've known how to do to raise our children the right way. He was embarrassed. 
they were hurt. So they finally broke the news to their church family. We all went to prayer. Come holidays, he called home and said, I want to come home for Christmas, but I want to bring my friend with me. And I'm not coming home if I can't bring him with me. So they said, you go ahead, but can you just do one thing and not show affection around him when you come? So the, the family started counseling, Christian counseling. Things didn't, didn't get any better. They, it just put a big hole in their family. The other siblings, they didn't talk to him at first, but they got to the point to where they did heal their relationship with siblings. Reality is, things didn't improve. The boys ended up getting married. And uh, we're still praying. It's been a while, but we're still praying. Sometimes it's not in our timing, it's in God's timing. These things are tough. These are real-life situations, and they're tough sometimes to deal with. And it tests our faith sometimes. It really does. But we have to keep praying and sowing just as this family is. Filling our sacks with seeds of justice, love, care, tenderness, empathy, and the unconditional love that Jesus shows for all of us. And as long as Satan is loosed, he'll try to sneak in and sow those destructive weeds. Agronomists have shown that weeds can hinder the harvest as much as 40 to 60%. And if there's any gardeners or farmers here, you know that you should use fresh quality seeds to sow. Old seeds won't germinate near as well as fresh seeds. Quality seed is pure, free from disease with a high germination rate. And as Christians, I think it's important that we should be prayed up, read up, staying in the center of God's will if we really want God to really answer our prayers. We've got to be pure and blameless. In this parable I read, I, I can imagine the farmer seeing those weeds in his field. It, it, had, it had to have bothered him. I know this is just a story, but it had to have bothered the farmer. He had the ability to pull them up, but he knew it would have damaged the harvest. Sometimes it takes faith. Leave it alone. And you say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you with my weeds, my burdens. I trust you with the things I don't understand. The psalmist tells us in Psalms 127, unless the Lord builds this house, we labor in vain. How often do we labor in vain, constantly struggling, always trying to force things to happen? I know raising teenager kids sometimes, that can be challenging. It really can. And I see some smiles. I don't think I'm alone on that. Sometimes we feel like we have to make that loved one do what's right. You feel this urgency, this pressure telling you you got, you got to do something. But you pray, you believe, you do what you can, 
Sometimes you just got to take your hands off and be still and know that I am God. That's in Psalms 46.10. I want to share another story with you. And this is a real life situation. I struggled about this and sharing this. But I felt that God wanted me to share this with you. But I once knew a pastor that should have heeded to that scripture. Be still and know that I am God. When I was a young boy growing up in a holiness church, I was very young. I sat under a very proud, legalistic pastor. I mean, he would blister you from the pulpit. He had three children. When the oldest one got old enough to drive, she would come out to the farm and she would knock on the door and say, can I just come in and talk for a little bit? And uh, mom and grandma would go in the living room and she'd just start unloading. She says, you guys really don't know my dad. My dad is not who he seems to be from the pulpit on Sunday." And mom and grandma didn't feel led to approach her dad, but they did promise they would pray about it. The next time she came out, she came out sobbing, and she came in and she said, look at my ears. She said, I got my ears pierced last week, and my dad went into a rage and took his hands and just yanked them earrings right out of my ears. My grandmother, that's, at that point, she approached him and she took her little bony finger. She got right in his face and said, let me tell you something. If you don't show that girl more love, you're going to lose her. Things didn't change. Only things really got worse. And then she started rebelling even more. Started partying, drinking, smoking. 21 years of age, she took her life, drug overdose, pastor's daughter. We've often wondered what would have happened if he would have just showed more love. I'm not saying don't discipline. There's got to be a discipline in the home. But you got to do it with love. He, re- he stepped down, went to Florida. I just hope that he found his peace with God before he died. He passed away <clears throat> just a few years after that, excuse me. Sad situation. Maybe there's situations and people you'd like to change, fix the problem, change the person. Maybe you felt the urge to pay someone back for doing you wrong. All that's going to do is just drain you. It's going to take your joy. Or maybe you've been in a situation, your discussion, somebody tried to debate you, pull you in, and just tried to discredit you. Don't believe maybe what you're saying is true. Just leave it alone. It's just a weed. God knows. You know, a lot of people out there like that. I got in that situation a couple of weeks ago, and God told me just leave it alone, and I did. God is saying, be still. 
and let me take care of it. He'll take care of it in his timing. Maybe you've been praying and praying, perhaps, maybe even a medical condition or a bad medical report you might have got back. Satan, he'd love to get us all worked up, nervous. Just put it on the prayer cell. Keep praying. God sometimes just supernaturally turns things around. But I've seen it. Too often we're fighting battles we're not supposed to. We're trying to pull the weeds, and God says he'll be our gardener. He'll take care of the weeds. Sometimes uh, this guy learned a valuable lesson. I knew that. I'm not a patient person. I'm not a patient person. And uh, two weeks after I retired, I was pruning peach trees, and I was standing on a 10-foot ladder, and I was reaching out. I had one more limb that I wanted to, to prune, and I reached way out here, and I wasn't on level ground to begin with. And that ladder tipped back, and I had this printer in one hand. So I tried to jump. I had to pull on boots, and my boots got caught in the rung of the ladder. Didn't work. I fell probably, I was next rung from the top, so I fell nine feet downhill. Landed on his shoulder, hit my head, busted two teeth. And Kim wasn't home time. She was at the Emmaus Walk in Newark. But I was so thankful that I, I could have been killed. I came close to falling on my neck. So I went up in the shed. I got a little place up there when I'm outside that I go and pray. And I went up there and prayed. Thank God for I'm still here. This arm here, I couldn't, couldn't raise it any higher than that. I knew I messed it up. So Kim didn't get home until Sunday afternoon, and uh, I told her what happened. And of course, I got the usual sermon from her, you bullhead, you should have waited for me to get home so I could help, help the ladder for you, but like I said, I'm not a patient person. But I did get x-rays and MRI, they said I needed an MRI, and Showed that I had two big, massive rotator tears and bicep tendon and it ripped the core off. And went to a surgeon, and he says, well, you, we can't fix it. You messed it up too bad. You're just going to have to put a reverse on it. And uh, went to another surgeon told me the same thing. But God was telling me the whole time, be still, be still. Everybody told me, you're just being a bullhead. You just you need to get your shoulder fixed. You know, you broke it. You need to get it fixed. So, but in the back of my mind, I thought, well, maybe in the fall of the year, you know, when I don't have to do all the mowing because our son lives in Hartville and he's two, two hours away. And Kim kind of did all that work, mowing and keeping things up. I was hurting. I was hurting all summer. But God kept telling me to be still. And I would pray. I said, Lord, I can't, they can't fix it. You know, he said, just be still. 
I went into our bank in uh, September, and the manager seen me come in, and she motioned me back, and she said, Tim, your shoulder ever getting better? I said, nah, I'm about ready to pull the trigger and get a reverse on it. And she said, uh, I heard about this new procedure they're going up high state called a superior capsule reconstruction. And she says, you might want to go talk to that doctor about it. So I called and made an appointment and uh, got into the doctor. She checked my range of motion and everything. It wasn't much, but she said, I think he might be a good candidate for this new procedure we're doing. Uh, this Japanese pioneer that we sent a team over there, I went over to learn how to do it. But she said, we don't know how long it will last, but we just go over and we just put a graft over top of that whole tear. So it's a long recovery. So I did that. I went, went through it. And uh, praise God, it took a two-year recovery. It's not the way I wanted to start my retirement. Two years, and I'm just so thankful. I have a whole range of motion of it. God was in that situation, you know. God was telling me, just be still. And that was so hard for me because I am not a patient person. And I'm thinking, I was thinking when God brought the Israelites out of slavery, they started towards the promised land. You guys know this story. I love this story. What happened? Pharaoh changed his mind, started after them with 600 of the strongest warriors in his chariots. They could see them far off in the distance. They could see them coming. They were a dead end at the Red Sea, nowhere to go. So they began to panic and get afraid, and they went to Moses. They said, Moses, what's the plan? we got to do something. They're going to be here by nightfall. They felt the pressure. They were on the verge of being recaptured. You all know the story. They were waiting for Moses to reply. They were ready to fight. What's the plan, Moses? Then Moses tells us in Exodus 14, 13, and 14, here's what the Lord says our strategy is. Stand still and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Hold your peace. Remain at rest. The Lord will fight for you. I tried to put myself in that spot. And I'm sure those Israelites were probably thinking, are you nuts? Are you crazy? Stand still. Those powerful warriors that are coming ahead of us, and you're telling us to stand still. So when the Israelites were camped at the Red Sea, the angel of the Lord who had been leading them moved behind them. And that pillar of cloud that had been in front of them moved between the Israelites and Pharaoh's army. They couldn't see them. The cloud was so thick. God had them hidden. Now Pharaoh's camp couldn't see the Israelites. God had them hidden. The cloud was so thick they couldn't see through it. They didn't know where they were. One minute the Israelites were right in front of them. The next moment they had disappeared. And you know that's when Moses raised his rod. The waters parted and the Israelites walked through on dry ground. At that point, Cloud lifted. Pharaoh's army came chasing after them. Only they got into the sea that the waters just came back. They all drowned it. So what am I saying? 
God knows how to take care of our weeds. Maybe there's something that you haven't turned over to God you're still holding on to. Perhaps maybe it's even pride. I think that's one of Satan's greatest weeds. I really do, that he sows. And to be honest with you, in our churches too. Sometimes we hear so many good sermons. But if you're too proud, sometimes you might say, that's not for me. That's not for me. I can say ouch to that. Can anybody else say that? I know I can. The last thing we want to be is like the Pharisees. You know, Jesus confronted them more than anyone else. They wouldn't listen. They didn't have ears to hear. Proverbs 16.5 tells us, All those who are proud are an abomination to the Lord. Be assured they will not go unpunished. I'm talking about the pride of the heart. I'm not talking about telling your little grandson, I'm so proud of you, you got straight A's on your report card. You know, God's talking about the proud heart. When I search my heart daily, and I do, folks, I do, I ask God to reveal any wrong I've did or anything that draws attention to me that he doesn't approve of. Sometimes God reveals maybe a word spoken or an action coming across as too proud. If people want to see Jesus in me, Tim has to get out of the way so they can see Jesus and not draw attention to myself. God hates pride. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And that's in James 4, 6. I think pride closes the door to spiritual growth too. I really do. But humility, humility opens the door for more of God's grace. It wasn't long after Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness fasting, being tempted by Satan. He led his disciples up to that hill in northern Israel. He was 30 years old at the time, and that's where he began his ministry. That was the Sermon on the Mount. John Wesley called it the gospel of the kingdom. As we know, this starts in Matthew chapter 5 and ends in chapter 7. He starts his teaching with the nine Beatitudes. And do you know the first three of those nine Beatitudes speaks on humility? Totally dependent upon God. I think it would be good if we all posted in Beatitudes. I had them on our refrigerator for some time. I don't know what happened. They got taken down, but as I was putting this together, I'm like, I want to get them hanging somewhere. I can see them every day. Even to just remind us or we're blessed even in those hard times. But getting back to the parable, what does your garden, what's our vineyard look like this evening? I remember Sister Sarah Ingram's words so well. She spoke during spring revival. Maybe God can't work through us because he's still got a work to do in us. I think y'all remember that. Those words stuck with me. 
you know, and I'll probably never forget those words. But what am I saying? Lord, I just give it all to you. I'm turning it over to you. We're not going to fret. We're not going to let the enemy come in, steal our joy. We're going to keep praying about those burdens we can't control, maybe burdens that we've been praying about for years, and possibly we might not even see those prayers answered this side of heaven. But I don't know about you, but I'm determined to stay in the center of God's will. Keep Satan from sowing those destructive sin seeds. Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing all the seed for sowing, he shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And I can say this honestly. Over the years, I've been blessed to see the beautiful fruit born of the prayers of God's people. And I'm I'm thankful for that. I am so thankful for that. There's nothing small about our God, folks. The only big is God. And I say that a lot, but I believe it. The only big in this world is God. So we just got to keep sowing on, my friends. The harvest is ahead. I do want to follow up just a little bit, if I may. I know last when Troy spoke last week, He kind of challenged, challenged us at the end. You know, we, this church has been so blessed to have had the resources to have a spring revival, a fall revival, summer camp meeting. We've probably heard some of the best preaching in the nation. We really have. And you guys have been here a lot longer than me, and you've probably heard you could name off speaker after speaker that's really touched a lot of hearts, been soul saved. But I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I fall so short in building the kingdom of God. I do. I really do. I don't know what God might be speaking to you guys about or what you've been thinking. I know we're in transition right here. But it's so easy to just come to church and just to listen. Maybe it's time to roll up our sleeves to get out there and harvest. The Bible tells us the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Folks, we got a lost and dying dark world out there. I don't know. I know I've got some thoughts, uh, but maybe maybe you're you're elderly and you don't have the energy. And I get that. God's got some kind of a little vineyard you can work in. I found out this that if you just put God's name in a sentence, sometimes it opens the door to be able to talk about God. Brother Sherm, I know you get out and walk that square a lot in the summer. And I know that you've shared that you've got to talk to people about God. What a blessing. But sometimes we all we got to do is say, God's given us a beautiful day. Just put God in a sentence. You know, 
But sometimes I think that we should actually pray for more workers as Christians to go out into the harvest field. Maybe you're not, you don't have the physical health to do it anymore, and I get that. You can still pray. I have a lot of prayer warriors in this church. I think of Elijah back there. He answered a call and went to Haiti. And I know he's probably itching to get back there when things improve. Kim and I was in the bus ministry for 13 years. We just found out this, this week that one of our girls we picked up died at 30, probably 37 or 38. Came from a broken home. And unfortunately, she just followed the pattern of her parents. Broke her heart. We've reached out to her a number of times, but she was so deep in sin, she said, I just can't stand it. We've walked into some situations that I don't even want to share with you. It's just too gross. Kids will be sitting in the living room sometimes with their parents watching porn flicks right in front of them. That's the world we live in, folks. Them little kids got souls. They got souls. It did cause a little conflict for a little bit in our church. Some of the people of the church didn't want their kids playing, didn't want their kids being around those kids. So we tried to kind of separate the bus ministry, have a different night for that than on Sundays. I'm not saying that's what we need to do here. I'm not saying that at all. But don't think that Tim needs to think we started a bus ministry. Not at all. But folks, we have to build the kingdom, be disciples. That's what God's calling us to do. The Great Commission. Wide into the world. And to be honest with you, I've got lost loved ones too. But it don't know it don't matter to me whether Tim wins wins them or someone else, just so they get to heaven. That's my main concern. It's not about Tim. It's just about him. That's all I've got tonight, folks. Uh Appreciate your good attention. I know we're in transition here. Uh, I hope you're praying as I am. God, if it's your calling to lead us in a little direction, may we stretch just slow so we can be the men and women you want us to be. Thank you for your good attention.